Your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Hello, this is Catherine with Your Positive Imprint, where every imprint means something to someone. What's your PI? Well, today's episode is, hey, can I get some help here right now? And my special guest is from Brazil, and I will introduce him in just a moment. You can get more information regarding this show and myself at yourpositiveimprint.com, where you can also sign up for email updates. You can leave positive reviews, and you can subscribe to this podcast, Your Positive Imprint. Well, today's guest is from Brazil, Marcos Mendonça, and he is a world traveler and also author of his book, and he is going to tell you all about it. He has some wonderfully humorous stories to tell, and he also has a different perspective when it comes to traveling, and that is part of his phenomenal positive imprint. Thank you for listening to Your Positive Imprint. Marcos, take it away with, hey, can I get some help here right now? Hello, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here. Oh, of course. And so, Marcos, why don't you go ahead and, and first of all, introduce yourself a little bit of, especially the pronunciation of your name, because I don't want to get your name incorrect. You sound very good in Portuguese, I must say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can pronounce my name as Marcos, basically, as we say, Marcos in in English, because uh, Portuguese Brazilian has very I'm not gonna go much into that but like we have a lot of different pronunciations and by chance the way you pronounce my name in my hometown of Sao Paulo is pretty much Marcus so it's very very similar to English uh yeah and uh and my last name it's Mendonca I I, I got used to say Mendonca here but in Portuguese it would be Mendonca yeah. Marcus Mendonca all right that's, so his oh go ahead no that's it yeah that's it Perfect. all right so we're going to start out, first of all, with one of his absolute favorite quotes. So, Marcos, you want to go ahead and give us your quote. All right, I will. It's, it's a very well-known quote, but I still love it. So it's uh, from Tolkien, you know, like, Not all those who wonder are lost. Really love that quote. I love that quote, too, and it certainly goes for everybody we... We meet because everybody is wandering through life, and but not all who wander are lost. Great quote, and this is such a great quote to use for the person that you are because you do wander all around the world. And before we get, yeah, and you have great experiences and a great positive imprint that you have put here with not just your traveling, but what you have brought back with regard to culture and sharing what people are like around the world. So I want to start out first with your growing up in in Brazil. What was that like? Well, I mean, uh, I grew up in a city, you know, like I'm from a big city. Uh, Sao Paulo is the largest city in South America. So I think pretty much... uh, it is somehow similar to the to, to life you have in a big city in other countries as well. I, I would say life in a big city in Brazil is somewhere in between life in a big city in America and life in a big city in Europe. 
with some Latin American influences, you know, which would be uh, basically, uh, well, when I grew up was, this, I mean, the city was, uh, uh, for a big city, was a quite safe city, it was safer than it is. Today, you don't see kids uh, riding their bikes anymore on the streets or stuff like that, you know, like I used to do that a lot. I think I had a very uh, healthy uh, childhood, I mean, uh, I could do had my friends in the neighborhood and went to to school, you know, like and studied and played sports and things like that. One thing that always caught my attention, even as a kid, is that I, I always loved to travel, you know, like since I was very little. So when we were kids, our trips were basically limited to visiting with uh, relatives and we had relatives uh, living uh, around, you know, Brazil is a big country as well, you know, like, so like most of our relatives were in the two neighboring states, uh, to Sao Paulo, which means like it takes like almost 20 hours to go across, you know, like one state to, to another and everything. Uh, but like I grew up doing that a lot. At least once a year we would go and see relatives. You know, my grandma lived for a while on a, on a neighboring state. So we did every summer vacation would go there. Lived with my parents, uh, went to school to a uh, uh, super good high school that I still think made a difference in my life today. Uh, uh, we used to have, we still have there, like uh, what they call, it's called like technical uh, courses. It's basically, it's a, it gives you a profession, even though it's not college. So I did that before going to college and that was really good. It was a, that type of high school or school, basically, that they're really worried about. I mean, everybody, the professor, you know, the teachers, they really want you to to learn and to kind of put you on the uh, right track, you know, like, so I, I think it was good. I mean, I liked it. Uh, living here today, I see the, the differences that's living in America and living there as a uh, regular, I would say, a middle class Brazilian was different than being a regular middle class American. But like, it was good. I mean, I think it was healthy and, you know, like, love my family. So was good. So you have gone traveling all over the world and you have been in, you have immersed yourself in many different cultures. What made you decide to want to start traveling or was it for a job? What? Uh, it wasn't for, I think I always liked to travel since I was a kid. Uh, even my parents uh, say that, you know, but like, uh, my, my mom says I make travel plans since I'm five. I don't even remember stuff, <laughs> you know, but she says that so it's probably true. But like, uh, I think I think the most exciting part for me uh, about traveling is uh, first uh, getting to know cultures, you know, like different cultures, how people live uh, all over the world. Also meeting different people, uh, seeing different places. Uh, I think by the end of the day, you actually value the things you have much more after you see either by seeing that uh, other people don't have the same stuff as you do, but also seeing that it's possible to live and to be happy without having the stuff you value so much sometimes. So it's, I think it's kind of a two-way thing. Uh, I don't think there is, I think there are better countries and worse countries in a lot of uh items we can check, uh, but there is no perfect country. You will always find, uh, like, you will value more things that work where you live, that work well where you live, but also you will find stuff that 
work in a very completely different way in a different country that works best better than him and and sometimes there is just no better you know if it works there if it works here it's fine so i guess traveling uh opens your to travel opens your mind to see that type of stuff you know like and it's um to me it's very fulfilling it's another phrase i like a lot but like uh it's uh it applies when you travel as well i mean the more you see the less you know you know i mean you go everywhere every time you learn something you go how could i live my entire life without knowing that people do things this way you know like and or or even history you know like i went to cambodia a few times and uh, cambodia has a very recent and sad uh, history on genocide and you know stuff like that 25 percent of their population was killed basically and this we are talking about like 35 years ago so it's kind of it's in our time life you know it's kind of how can i have lived my entire life without knowing more about this type of stuff and then you go there and you visit and they are the i'm not joking they're the nicest people in the world and how can these people be so nice so open so friendly having lived what they lived you know like that type of stuff so Sometimes it's a slap on your face because sometimes you're complaining because they don't have the tomato sauce you like, at the, uh. you know, but like, I go, you know, like some people have, I mean, I mean, of course, I mean, we, we're sometimes, uh, uh, sometimes we feel entitled to things, but I mean, sometimes you have to, it, traveling puts things in perspective, I guess, you know. I got to spend uh, three months in Africa as well, like three and a half months in Africa a few years ago, like in the continents, like many different countries. And when you come back, uh, I flew back from Africa actually first to Sao Paulo and then to the United States. But like, uh, as soon as I got to Sao Paulo, that, you know, like Sao Paulo is not, I mean, Brazil is not as developed as the United States in a lot of things. But like, as soon as I got to Sao Paulo, uh, I, I, I would refuse to pay $10 for a meal, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, you're in Africa and you go, like, you can eat for $1. I mean, it's you start thinking it's too much waste, everything you do. So it's kind of, it changes your mind. Of course, I mean, you, you adjust. And some, you come, when you come back after three and a half months, uh, I think it's a lot of information and you're trying to process. And then you have to adjust somehow, you know? But still, and, uh, and as soon as I came back to the United States, we had a birthday party for a friend. And it was one of those super kind of nice restaurants. And, you know, like, and, or it was for a client. It was for a client, actually. And every person, we, we had the group of about 120 people. And each meal costed $120. And I go like, we can do this. I go like... Oh. <laughs> I'll go back to Africa, <laughs> kind of. Because uh, uh, I mean, I mean, you just adjust. You, it, that's the way it works, you know. But like, it's sometimes the differences are too brutal, and uh, but that's why I think it's important, you know, like to to travel to me. It's very important to me. Maybe I shouldn't be so surprised when I get to see those things. But it's different when you are there and you see yourself, you know. Uh, I got robbed in Africa four times, <laughs> like on those three and a three and a half months, and and I still wanted to go back to Africa because it's kind of uh, it just 
brings you to a different perspective. You know, like of course I, I, I disagree with the way I got robbed. I don't I don't think that justifies anything. Uh, so what do you mean? So what did you want to? Yeah, sure. Like no, I mean it's kind of. I mean I, I, that's something we take for granted as well. Uh, uh, we, we live in, a, I mean, the United States, I mean, we are not the safest country in the world. I mean, especially if you compare ourselves to Asia or to, to Europe, you know, like they have better uh, crime ratings than we do here. But we are very good if you compare to uh, developing or under underdeveloped. I mean, there is no comparison. We can compare ourselves to France or to Japan and you may get disappointed because our rates are, it changed, it varies a lot here in the US, right? Like from one, one city, one state to another, but like still, it's a very safe place. And uh, in Africa, basically, uh, one time I was, uh, I have some funny stories actually, but like one time I got on, I was traveling on a bus in the countryside of uh, Uganda and Someone stole. I, I just got off the bus from for like for five minutes, and someone went on my stuff and got my iPod. You know, like some stuff like that. Uh, the other time, I was also I was in Tanzania and on a bus park, and it was like five in the morning and very crowded and everything. And of course, I mean they know who are tourists. You know, like who are not from there. You kind of stand out. There is no way around it. And someone stole my pocket, but like that person should get a prize because I, I didn't feel a thing. I don't know how close <laughs> to me, and they got from my pocket. And, and as soon as I'm on the bus, I see I don't have my wallet, and I think I lost it on the bus. So I, I turned my my flashlight on my cell phone, looking for for the, the wallet in the dark, you know, on the bus, and it's not there. So I get off, I, I, I get off the bus to see if I dropped it. And then I find my wallet in the middle of the dark. Someone like just took the credit cards and the money didn't have much money in there and threw it on the side road, which was good because I could still get uh, uh, my IDs, you know, like and, and all that stuff. Uh, I was just lucky that I found it because like he yes. threw maybe 300 feet away and I was just looking because I insisted on looking and then I found it, you know. Uh, the other time was maybe the funniest part <laughs> like I met, I met this girl in a hostel in uh in uganda as well in kampala and we decided to a super nice girl very international travels a lot used to live in uganda and like so we said we had uh, she had the free day basically go oh let's go to the beach by the lake they have a super beautiful lake there they have a beach and it's very touristy and i go like so let's do it so we took the bus so we're waiting for the bus at the bus stop, and this guy stops, and it's a bus, and he goes, it's a bus kind of big minivan. They call it buses there, you know, but it's uh, just a big minivan. And he goes, where are you guys going? And she says, and he goes, oh, you guys can come in on the bus. So they put her on the back seat, on the back side of the, the van, and they put me on the front seat. We insisted that we were traveling together, we wanted to travel together. They made kind of a mass type of thing. They still put me on the front seat and put her on the back seat. And then they started saying uh, my door was open, that I had to knock it, you know, like my to, to shut the door. And so the guy's driving. I'm opening and closing the door all the time. He told me to do this like maybe 20 times, you know, and I did it. Uh, next thing you know is that they say, oh, this door is broken. We are not going to the beach anymore. You guys have to get off here. They pushed us both out of the bus and 
instantly I knew I didn't have my wallet and she had her, she looked and she had her purse open, you know? So they basically was a fake bus. Oh my goodness. They hire, they have a driver, a guy who charges for the money. They have normally three or four fake passengers and they're basically there to steal you, to, to, to rob you. And I never heard of that in my life. You know, so I go, uh, it was kind of funny later, not at the moment, you know, because like uh, they have also moto taxis in Uganda. That's the most popular way to go around. Very cheap and uh, they are everywhere. Uh, so as soon as I decided I have the wallets, I mean, they took my wallet again. I go, I called a moto taxi. It was 50, 15 seconds later. I was on the back of this motorcycle guy, like, oh, let's go this way here, try to find this minivan, you know, because like this, these people just uh, robbed me. They didn't rob anything from the girl, because like she didn't have, I think her money was on her pocket and they couldn't reach it. So they oh, didn't find yes. her. So it was so. good, because like I could borrow money from her to pay for the moto taxi. So we went away, I, I went for looking, but they vanished, you know, like they were nowhere of to meet yeah, Where else would they go? <laughs> yeah, they're very, very good. Basically, I went back. Uh, I sat with the, the girl, with the Croatian girl, and she had met this local lady there. And she said, oh, those are fake. But so she told us the story. They go, they, they, go, they are all <laughs> over the place. And they go, so what should we do? You know, to avoid them. Go, oh, you have to catch the full buzzes because the full buzzes are real buzzes. And I go, oh, my gosh, that's the only place in the world you actually want to catch a crowded bus. Other bus. So I had to go to the police station. I had to call the American embassy. You know, all that type of stuff. Like to the time I had the green card, so I had to tell them that my green card got stolen. Uh, so it was I mean, it was a mess. Uh, but and because your uh, your website is uh, positive imprints, right? I still have a very positive imprint about Africa because I. Uh, some of my friends said, oh, you're crazy. Why would you have three months and travel to a place like Africa? You know, like, can I go up? I, I wanted to see it. But like, what I have to say about it is that, uh, well, at the end of the day, I had to do some work and I had to run a lot of errands after I got robbed. So I had to cancel credit cards and do, do all that stuff. So I went to a <laughs> shop in, you know, like, I had to call my parents. So I called, I actually had to call my mom and my sister. I was like, I didn't have uh, uh, my debit card got stolen as well. So, and I still had like five weeks to travel. And I think I had only $400 in cash. So I said, I need some more money. So I asked my sister to send me more, more money through Western Union, you know. And she, so I had to do all those things. It's another funny story after that. But like, basically, I went to do everything from a coffee shop. And uh, there was this lady, a local lady who was there. Uh, I, I went almost every day to this coffee shop in, in Kampala for a couple of hours. And I told her what happened. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you in my country. You know, I don't. And so she, she actually called the manager. The manager gave me free coffee and stuff like that. They came to talk to me and they're so kind. So uh, what I say is that what you take from everything that happens is that in the end, uh, the feeling I have about people in general is all, it's much more positive than negative. Even though I went through all of that, you always find kindness. You always find people who want to help you somehow. You always find people who uh, 
they seem to care for you. And I think that's much more human than the bad part. You know, like, so I think by the end of the, the day, uh, the feeling I have is uh, much more uh, positive. I always say jokingly that I went to Africa, I got robbed four times. I jumped from a bungee jump line, you know, like there's a famous bungee jump in on the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe. I jumped from that, was really cool, was something I never done before and was really cool. But that cord broke a month later with a tourist from Australia. You know, the same cord I jumped, uh, they had an accident with this girl from Australia that thank God survived to that because she was a very good swimmer. She could, right, she found right. her. But, uh, but like, so uh, I got on bus rides that were supposed to take, they tell you it's like seven hours and it took 20 hours, you know, stuff like that. So a lot of bad things happened, but in the end of the day, I loved everything about it. I didn't love being robbed, but I yeah. loved the whole experience, you know, like that. And I think uh, by the end of the day, you always get, get a good response from people. People are much better than worse, I guess, you know, like. So, and that's yeah. great. Okay, so you've taken all of this and you decided at one point to start writing a book and share your experiences, but not just the experiences, but the cultures and what you've seen and, and you want to make this positive imprint for others. So tell us about your book. It's called, let's see, I have here and I'm not going to try to pronounce it <laughs> because it's in Portuguese, but go ahead and talk about your book. Uh, the book is called uh, Gente Ajuda. Gente Ajuda means something, and it's kind of um, a saying but in Portuguese that in English would be something like, uh, it would be something like, can I get some help here right now? Or like, you know, like so, something like that. It's, uh, but kind of in a funny slash tacky way, kind of. But like, uh, because like, basically I wanted to tell, uh, I went on like longer trips, like I had the chance of going uh, every month while still working full time for that company. I told you before, I, uh, for three months every year, I could, I had this, was one of the benefits I negotiated with my boss. Three months every year, I could work from whatever I wanted. So I would just get my computer, go somewhere else and work. So basically I took four, uh, I took five longer trips, you know, like first trip was to uh, more Eastern Europe and a little bit of Western Europe. Second trip was a more Middle East with some more Europe. Uh, third trip was Africa. This one I was, we were just talking about. Fourth trip was, ended up being kind of a round the world trip that I didn't plan on doing that, but that's the way it worked because I went to, I repeated countries. Uh, I started like in the Middle East again and then uh, Europe. And then I went to South Asia, Southeast Asia, East Asia, and back to the United States. Uh, and the fifth trip was uh, China and South Korea, basically. You know, like China is a very big country, so I spent more time there. But like, uh, so when I mean, the idea was to travel, not to spend much money. So I stayed in hostels. I traveled as much as I could by land, and that was one of the ideas as well. Because I said, you you see much more. I kind of wanted to get me mixed up with the local population and if you only fly sometimes you know you're sometimes you're just doing uh seeing airports so i kind of want to go as much as i could through land so africa specifically was a, a continent that i it was difficult to do it but i could do for the most part everything by land 
only when I got to Ethiopia that uh, I started doing, I took like three or four flights, I guess, but like most of everything was uh, land. Uh, so of course, if you, I mean, I'm putting myself in a city, I mean, those are not very developed places for tourists, basically. So you're basically dealing with the same problems as the local populations. So of course, you're putting yourself in the position of more things happening, but you have to be prepared as long as you're prepared uh, is fine, you know, but like... Uh, but you so, immersed yourself it, in the culture. I mean, that must yeah. have been just a phenomenal yeah. experience being there with the yeah. locals. That was the idea. I mean, I met amazing people on buses, you know, like in uh, everywhere. So it was was really, really amazing. And some stories I think deserved being told because I always told those stories to some friends when I had the chance. But like, you know, to one friend that you tell one story, to the other friend you tell another story. It depends on how the conversations go. So I decided uh, uh, to put everything on a book. Uh, and the book has kind of this type of insight. It has like, uh, it has a lot of things. Uh, funny enough, the worst stories, if like the robberies, you know, like, or the, all the, like the bad, like, you know, like when you get sick or stuff like that, you know, like those are the stories that people like the most, you know, like when <laughs> don't go well, people love those things. Uh, but I also tell stories when, I mean, everything goes, goes fine, you know, but like, Basically, I wanted to share with everybody those stories, uh, but also to leave uh, the idea that traveling, even though not always everything is going to be all right, it's still a very good thing to do. And you, uh, and getting exposed to different cultures is a very important thing too. And uh, one thing that I put in the books exactly what I already said is that like by the end of the day, uh, even if bad things happen, you still get a very good feeling and a very good vibe about people. Uh, 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 there are much more good people there than bad people. You know, like so, it was always uh, you exchange a lot of uh, a lot of uh, knowledge. I would say, you know, like it's very it's very humbling to learn uh, sometimes how how people live or. Uh, or city things sometimes, you know, like I, I mentioned the lady in Uganda, you know, like that was super kind when I got robbed on the fake bus and all that type of stuff. But like uh, she was there every single day working, you know, like I, I, I think I spent almost the entire week in Kampala, but like uh, she was there every single day. You know, this lady probably doesn't make much money, but she's there every day smiling and being nice and, you know, like with her pretty uniform and like she has kids at home and like that type of stuff and you go in the end of the day we are all people you know like we are just trying to do our best and 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 that's the the idea and of course bad things will happen but i also put myself in that position you know like riding on a bus in the countryside of uganda you know like not everybody does that and it's very easy to see you're a tourist you know like i it's very easy to see you from two miles away you know like but like uh, but I mean, that's just the way it is. I don't regret. I, I would love to do everything again, all, all the trips, all the itineraries, you know, like, and, uh, uh, it, it's, it's very humbling and you, it looks like you learn a new thing every, uh, every single minute, you know, like you're always, uh, 
there and kind of absorbing everything. So it's kind of it, it's kind of good. I, I actually missed Africa when I came back because uh, somehow you got that feeling that when you get there, when you're in the countryside and you see something that's very uh, alien to you, kind of something you're not used to. Uh, sometimes you get frustrated, sometimes you get upset, but like uh, you get used to that very easily. It's kind of, it's almost uh, understanding that humanity is also that. I don't know if I'm being too philosophical here, you know, but like it looks like everybody came from that place. That's that's the way I felt. And then you kind of go somewhere else, you know, like, but it seems that that's uh, very basic. So I, to me, it was a very great and humbling experience and learning experience as well, you know. Well, and that's fabulous that you learn the experiences, but even better that you decided to put your unusual reports by a traveler as the way the Internet describes your book. They state it's translated, so I don't know if it's translated correctly, but it said unusual reports by a traveler uh, by unconventional destinations. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's fabulous that you took those experiences, you reflected on them, and decided to share them. Some of them, yes, they're they're unusual reports, but others are are the cultural uh, immersions, cultural diversities that you experienced. And I want to ask you, there was one, there was a picture, it was a fabulous picture in your book. And by the way, the cover of your book, it's a fabulous picture of you. Uh, I love I, the picture, yeah. Yeah, it's great. And But there's a picture, and it's a, I think it's an African dog, or is it a, I think it was an African dog. <laughs> it's a hyena. It was a hyena. Well, I couldn't tell if it was a hyena or African dog. So tell me about that. I just think it was interesting when I first saw that it just caught well, my eye. It's a wild the dog. It's in the book that everybody loves the most. Like that picture, I love that picture. That was one of my, uh, my Facebook uh pictures you know like my my front page i love that picture but what the story why people love that story is that because it there, uh, there was not a happy ending on that now, i was in countryside ethiopia you know very far away uh, almost on the border with somalia and like this place it's a it's a very beautiful city called harar it's a walled city you know like they have um it looks like looks like much more Middle East than Africa because you're so far uh, east in there and it's so close to Somalia and you go just across the strait and it's Oman and Yemen. It's all, it's almost uh, Middle East, you know, uh, so they have a lot of influence. But basically, if you go outside the walls, they have two spots outside the walls that there is this guys, the two guys who are uh, the uh, wild hyena uh, feeders. So basically, every single night at seven o'clock at night, uh, this uh, he calls the hyenas, and the hyenas come to eat from basically from his hands. You know, like so, uh, hyenas are very uh, they are very social. I mean, social socially organized. You know, like so they they live in uh, in bands, but like uh, it's fantastic. I mean, he calls. He kind of does this kind of singing, it's kind of a chant type of thing. And uh, the first hyena who shows up is normally the second uh, hyena in charge for, for the band, you know, like, so basically uh, he comes and he checks if everything is all right. So if everything is all right, the hyena calls the, the, 
the the first on the group. The first of the group comes, double checks if everything is okay, and he does his uh, chant again, and bring, and everybody, every other hyena comes about. 16, 20 hyenas, I don't know exactly. So it's very organized because they send the second in charge first because they don't want you to put the first in risk. And then if the second thing is all right, he calls the first. So the first has the last word. And the, so he calls everybody else. And basically the guy, the feeder, he starts throwing pieces of meat and they, they eat basically from his hands or, and they're big animals, you know, they're big size dogs, you know. So basically, uh, and they do this for tourists to see. As uh, on that that specific day, it's not a very tourist place. This is very unusual, as it says on the cover of the book. You know, but like on that day specifically, there was only me and a German girl, and we are there like watching. And you have to go with a guide, and the guide tells you what to do because the feeder uh, doesn't speak English. So they told me to. I was there first, so they told me to go there first. They told me to kneel down, you know, like I did. And the guy puts a piece of meat uh, right on the top of my head. Oh, my gosh. And jumps <laughs> on my shoulders and eats from the top of my head, basically, you know. So that's the photo you see. On that is the photo. The head. So the guide is really good because they take the photo right in the same moment. However, I mean, so... So the second thing that happened is that they called the German girl and she goes there, she does the same thing. And uh, they, uh, to her, they did something different to me. Uh, they gave her a piece of bamboo, put her in her mouth and they put a piece of meat on the, on the other edge of the bamboo. Wow. And the hyena came and eats it like so it's almost nose to nose, you know, like so that's I, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so I, 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 uh, they didn't offer, but I said I'll probably pass on that. Uh, but it's, uh, after a while, I see. I, I think I was there for about, I would say, almost. I mean, it, it doesn't take long, but maybe ten minutes, like like kneeling and you know, like watching from very close and everything. Uh, but the hyena, there were a lot of hyenas, and some of them were as tall as I was. I mean, they were sitting, and I. And I'm tall, so it's kind of, they were even taller than I am. And that's the impression I had. So at some point, I started getting, feeling a little claustrophobic. I had too many hyenas around me, and I and I go, like, it's getting too much, too close, I guess. So I said, so I decided to stand up and leave. But I, my, the problem is that I didn't tell anyone I was going to do that. So when I stood up, uh, I just felt on my back, uh, I can't tell even today if it was the hyena teeth or her claws. It came on my back and it uh, it broke my belt that I was wearing. Oh goodness! And I got a very big. Uh, I mean, it hurt me, but I, I it, there was no blood, but like I could feel something harsh in my uh, right in my my, my buttocks. <laughs> like so, the worst <laughs> possible. So like, so I came like holding my pants and I go, oh, the hyena bit me because that's, that's the impression I had. The impression I had is that I could feel his teeth passing through my back type of thing. It could not be the teeth, could be the uh, nails, the claws, you know, but like, I, 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 I can't tell. So the, the boy who was my guide was very young. He says, oh no, hyenas don't beat any, anyone. And I go, but this, look what they did. I mean, he broke my belt, you know, like, and, I, and I, I'm holding my, my pants and, and I'm showing him my back. And he goes, 
uh, see if it, it hurt me, you know, because I will have to go to a hospital if he did. He goes, no, it didn't hurt you. So basically, well, we left the place and I was kind of going like, you have to look at it again. I think, I think it did hurt, you know, like, and he said, no, he insisted it didn't. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to the hotel and take a look myself. But I was super hungry and I ended up going to a, long story short, it took me like two hours to go back to the hotel. <laughs> but by the time I got back to the hotel, uh, my, I mean, this is Afri Ethiopia's countryside, you know, like the light at the hotel was very, it wasn't very bright. And I, it wasn't a very difficult place for me to see. So I, I couldn't see anything. It was very, the, the light wasn't good enough. But there was no blood. You didn't see any blood. You didn't see any blood. So the next day, I woke up very early and I took a bus to uh, to Somaliland, which to the border with Somaliland is the safest part of Somalia. You know, basically they divide Somalia. Somalia is probably the worst place to be nowadays. But like uh, they are uh, splitting three different major states, I would say, and uh, Somaliland is the one that's the safest. You, yeah, I can still go with a few restrictions, but you can still go. So I went there and I went there. It's a very long trip. You take a bus to the border and then from the border there, you have to get on a four by four and you go to the city and you're very tired. I feel it's two hours on the four by four in the middle of the desert, you know, like, and I was tired when I got there, I went straight to bed. The next day when I woke up, there was blood in my underwear and it hurt my, you know, my like the very bottom of my my lower back and then i freaked out because i go okay i think the hyena beat me like even if it was by accident because the theory my sister actually laughs when i tell the story because she goes you were you were kind of defending the hyena the hyena hurt you and you see on on the hyena side <laughs> because what i think it happened is that when i stood up i think maybe the hyena was getting ready to jump on my back again to eat and once i didn't tell anybody I was going to stand up, maybe he lost his balance and in order to not to fall, he hit me by accident, but I don't know if that was it or not. Uh, it could be with the mouth or I don't know. I don't really know what happened. I had the impression it was the teeth. That's uh, you know, the tooth going through my back, but like, I, I don't know. Basically, I went to tell this guy who was uh, the hotel manager because he's everything in Somaliland. He's the guy who does your visa. He does hotel arrangements. He books your car and all that, you know. So I went to talk to him because I was freaking. I said, like, well, if he beat me, I can get rabies from that. You know, like, we, we don't know. It's a memo. And then I was reading. And then I started reading about rabies. And then he started freaking out, you know, because... Oh, yeah, one of the worst things, yeah. internet medicine. <laughs> you, you die. You have to treat before it uh, manifests, you know. So right. basically, um, long story short, again, I end up going to, well, it's kind of funny because it, it's in a very private place, right, that it happened. And I had, I was shameless. I was like, just like putting my pants down and showing everybody, you think it's a bite? <laughs> 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 because I, I just needed to hear it wasn't a bite. But no one was able to tell me it was a bite. The other thing that makes me think was a bite is that uh, when you look, because I took a photo and sent to a friend of mine who is a doctor, you know, in Seattle, and uh, there were two dots in there. So it looks like, you know, when it looks like two teeth there, like it looks like the mark, but also can be the claw. So you never know. 
So end of the story, I went to the hospital in Somaliland. Uh, they didn't have rabies medicine, you know, so they took basically a lot of doctors to see, to see what they think. And I'm there showing, you know, myself. But like, uh, I went to, I went back to, yeah, eventually I went back to Ethiopia, uh, to a city called Jijiga, you know, like they didn't have uh, anti-rabies medication there. They told me at the capital they may have it. I got there, they didn't have at the first hospital I went, and that was, long story short, it took me a week to take the first shot, anti-rabies, you know. Uh, however, I mean, it is a great picture, but there is also a very big story behind it, you know, like, yeah. Wow, so what a picture I chose out of all the pictures. Yeah. It just it just struck me because why is this wild dog, it was obvious that it was a wild dog, yeah. it was either an African dog yeah. or a hyena. Yeah on your shoulders and I that's why I asked well my goodness so the doctors never ever did figure out no, if it was no, a claw or no, a tooth no they never so but you got the rabies and and is rabies it, um prevalent in Africa no uh, they do have well I end up reading a lot of uh, about rabies you know like just because I had you uh, it is, but uh, funny uh, funny enough for interesting enough from all the mammals, Hyenas are the least, uh, had the least possibility of getting rabies because they only get rabies from uh, if they got bit by other animals. It's very hard for a hyena to, to, to have rabies, but it's possible. But the chances, if I'm not mistaken, are uh, 30% less than any other mammals. So it's kind of, I, that, that was good information for me, you know. Uh, the bad thing, I mean, start reading a lot, you start freaking out. So there are two types of rabies. One that uh, becomes rabies, like uh, after six hours after uh, you get bit, and the other one that can take up to ten months. If you don't take, if you don't get anything in ten months, you be, you you are fine because after that uh, it, it dies. And you know? like, uh, so I knew. Well, you know that there's a seven year part of it too after you get bit seven years it takes for something else no, i'm teasing <laughs> no, just stop it. don't don't mess <laughs> so you said earlier <laughs> you said a few minutes ago that people like to hear did, did you use the word bad I stories think like they hear... like the most extreme but they do like i think people like bad situations that turn out good in the end because oh, uh, that turn out yeah. good yes because like uh the story that people comment the most are first the hyena story you know that i had like to me was i was paranoid with rabies for a while because i could start reading about rabies and the one of the first symptoms you have is that you start having chills on your back you know like and of course I had that because you're reading that you may have it. So I woke up twice a night with chills on my back and like, oh my God, you know, like, uh, so you get uh, that it's your mind playing tricks on you, you know, but like uh, the other story people love is uh, one thing that I, I mixed up. I, I love trying different food, you know, like, and I tried, I mixed up a lot of stuff in Egypt and one day it wasn't very different stuff but i just mixed up too much and i had that uh bus ride that's a three and a half hour bus ride uh in between aswan and the very south to the rings of abu Simbel. it's an amazing place you know like uh and 
so I had a lot to eat, and they don't have bathroom stops or anything, so they tell you like the before the, the bus leaves, and they leave in a convoy because uh, for uh, safety measures, it's too close to Sudan. And they had problems there before, so basically it's one car after the other, and it's uh, uh, literally, it's, I don't know, I can't tell, but like on that day specifically, they had maybe 200 cars, one after the other, or buses, cars, trucks, they all go together twice a day, that's it, you know, basically, and that day they told me, I mean, they told everybody, we don't have bathroom stops, you have, if you need it now, we go now, and I was sitting on the very last seat of the bus with people all around, and they have jump seats. So it was, if I decided to go to the bathroom, I had to ask everyone to stand up for me to be able to get off the bus. So I said, no, I can't hold, you know. But literally, like 15 minutes. So I said, I don't need to go. And because I didn't think I had to go. But like, uh, then the trip starts. And sure enough, 15 minutes later, I'm ready <laughs> because I need to go to the bathroom. And I said, I don't think I can hold for three hours. And I had to ask the guy to stop in the middle of the desert and go somewhere. Like, there there was nothing to hide, you know. Like, I just had to go to the bathroom in front of everybody with all these cars coming with their lights on and stuff, like, in front <laughs> of everybody. So people love this story, <laughs> you know, like. Oh, my goodness. It was horrible, so... but, like, of course, it was a good turnout in the end. But, like, uh I think people like those extreme stories, I guess, you know, like they, they like this. Well, it's part of, it's, it's not a reality for people. So it's nice to hear something that is not, like you say, not all who wander are lost. So the stories that we hear are, you know, we're kind of wandering through life and we're kind of wanting to hear something interesting, something different. And I'm really glad that you did write the book. And although I have to have somebody translate it because it is in Portuguese. Yeah. Is it going to be coming out in a different language? I, do you uh, know? I, I want to do it in English. Really want to. Uh, but I think we'll take, I would like to do it, uh, to do it myself. I mean, to translate myself. Uh, the, book came from a journal stories like every time i took one of those longer trips i wrote a journal for the trip i and i love it because it brings me i mean if i read the journals again it brings me the memories i mean very freshly you know but basically i wrote the journals in english and in order to write the book i decided to, to uh i thought it was going to be uh an easier sell, I guess, in Portuguese, because I had, I, I, for a few reasons, but that, so I actually read my journal, and basically, from the journal, I translated to Portuguese, so it wasn't, it's not going to be very hard to translate back to English, because of course, it's a different language, I mean, if you write a journal, you're writing for yourself, right, and if you write a book, you're writing for other people, basically. But I would like to do that. I just would well, maybe like you can do a maybe you can do an audio book just reading it in English. That would be interesting. <laughs> that would be interesting. I, I I think I still like the idea of publishing in English. It just takes so long to do the uh, the process of publishing. It was straightforward, but it took long. And then it comes. Uh, you have to to spare time to promote the book as well if you want to to really do it and that's 
that's maybe the main problem right now. I'm not sure if I have that time right now to go on promoting the book and stuff. But I will see. Well, hopefully, we'll come out in English, and I'll I'll give you another interview about the book. Okay, well, that would be great. And I, again, I am glad that you did it. You talk about the cultures, and you try to bring people closer to a culture and to help them understand it. And I appreciate that your positive imprint in that well, respect. So uh, my job today, basically, I'm basically working as a events and trip organizer. I mean, I'm basically a freelancer. I work in association with uh, a couple of travel agencies or travel companies. So we do organize events and, and trips, basically, basic trips. It's very good to work with people who are excited about being somewhere. And you, that, uh, it's that type of people that uh, everywhere you take them, they are happy. What a great imprint that you have placed, not only in your book, but with all of the people that you take traveling all over the world as they listen to your stories. I love that you were talking about the more you see the less you know. And in the end, the feeling you have is always positive. Well, you're listening to your positive imprint. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Marcos. No, no, I was just going to, to say, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but like, uh, one thing I love about my job, uh, possibility of sharing uh, the traveling with people because I can sometimes to, I see uh, the places I've been to through different eyes as well, and they see the city through my eyes too. So it's kind of it's 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 very good to it's a very good feeling to be able to share, I guess. But I would love to go back to every place I've been, and if possible with uh, with friends or people that I know, because I I think that's uh, that's very joyful when you can actually share that experience with other people. And Houston, I go to Houston every year, right? And if you think about it, okay, you've seen Houston, you don't have to go back there, but it's always something different because you're always traveling with different people too. So they always teach you something about the place as well. You know, so it's really good. And that's one thing I think I love about my job is actually being able to share places with other people. That's fabulous. And it's a different perspective. And we need to hear and see a different perspective from other people. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right. Wow. After that, doesn't it just make you want to go buy a ticket and head out and take off for Africa, Central America, Europe, New Zealand, just anywhere and just immerse yourself into cultures and how exciting. Well, thank you, Marcos Mendoza. Well, head over to my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, where you can learn more about Marcos and see a lot of different photos from his worldwide travels. Please sign up for email updates. Also, don't forget to leave positive reviews, and don't forget to hit that positive button and subscribe to this podcast, Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? Music by Chris Knoll. Subscribe now.